Pastor Mark was recently uh, making a home visit as he, as he usually does. And at this, uh, this house that he uh, came to, uh, he, it was obvious that somebody was home. And so, so he knocked on the door and, and nobody, came, nobody came to the door after uh, repeated knocks. And so he took out one of his business cards and on, on the card he wrote Revelation 3.20 and he stuck it in the door. And the next, next Sunday as they were counting, they were counting the offering back in the office, uh, somebody noticed that that card was actually returned in the offering and they, they brought it uh, to Mark and somebody had written on the flip side of it, Genesis 3 verse 10. And so wanting to know what this was that this person had written on the back of, of this card, Mark went back to his office and got his Bible out and he broke up, broke up in laughter. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. <laughs> well, Genesis 3 verse 10, 10 says, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid for I was naked. <laughs> There's a right and a wrong way to use scripture. <laughs> and I think we know that. Today we're in Colossians. We're in the second chapter of Colossians today, verses one through seven. I don't know you, but I hope you look like Jesus is the title of today's message. And we're going to look at what uh, Paul's message to the Colossian people, and if you would, would you please stand as we will read the scripture together, verses one through seven of Colossians chapter two. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this morning, another opportunity to come to gather in your presence with the people of God. And God, I pray that this message is from your heart today. I pray that I would step aside and allow the words of the Holy Spirit, the word of God Almighty to come forth from my lips. Lord, that... Uh, in spite of me, you will receive much glory today. And those that need salvation, God, that you will draw them to you and show them their need to be saved, to bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. So Lord, have your way in this time together. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It should be everyone's desire. This should be each and every one of our desires, those of us who call upon the name of Jesus, those that are believers in Jesus Christ and in all aspects of our life that we grow in Christ. Amen. 
Paul had this desire for all that he came in contact with, whether, whether he met them face to face or not, his heart is, was that they would grow in their faith. He agonized over false teachers and false teachings that kept them from growing in their faith. And this passage uses the word struggle or conflict. And that is translated from the word agon, agon. And we get the word agony from this word. So we need to take note that Paul, having never been to Colossae, so he didn't know the members of the church there personally. Yet his heart for them was that they would grow in faith. He agonized over their discipleship. He struggled. He was conflicted in his spirit over their growth in Christ. He wanted to see them grow even though they had never met face to face. Let me tell you this about our pastor. Pastor Mark agonizes over your growth in Christ. If you've not been at Orchardville Church that long, maybe you haven't had an opportunity to get to know Pastor Mark and Kay real well yet, know that he agonizes over your spiritual development. It's his desire that you would grow in your faith in Christ, whether he knows you or not. If you are in this place, he wants to see you grow. We have two additional branches of this church in Fairfield and in Centralia. And rarely do, does Mark get a chance to go and visit those churches. There's lots of folks in both those branches that he doesn't know, has never met face to face. Yet because Orchardville is their home, it's where they worship, it's where they get discipled, the greatest desire he has for each one is that their faith in Christ would grow. They would become rooted in Christ. We should do the same. Whether we know somebody personally or not, we should desire that all believers grow in Christ. We should encourage brothers and sisters in Christ. We should encourage one another to fight the good fight in the cause for Christ. So today we're gonna look at four elements in this text that bring about growth in our walk with God. And just as a, as a side note, we said that Paul had never been to Colossae, but it, uh, scripture points to the likelihood that the Colossian church was likely planted by one of Paul's converts in Ephesus. So the first, the first element we're gonna look at this morning is comfort. And Paul, in, in verse two of Colossians two, Paul says, that my purpose is that they may be comforted, that may be encouraged. Now, the NIV of this, of this passage, verse two starts saying, my purpose is, and I love that. This is probably one of my uh, favorite scriptures in, in the Bible, it's one, one that I memorized a long time ago. Colossians 2, 2, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of, of wisdom and knowledge. So Paul says it's my purpose. It's his purpose that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. That word comfort is translated from parakaleo. The parakaleo means coming near to encourage. Every single one of us needs someone in our life to come near to encourage us. Who does not need somebody in their life to come along to speak a word of encouragement, to speak a word of, of, of truth in love? We talked about that in Sunday school a little bit this morning. 
Sometimes it's iron sharpens iron in our relationships. We need somebody in our lives that can come and speak uh, truth in a very sensitive way, and sometimes we need that truth spoken to us in a, in a tough love kind of way. But each one of us needs somebody like that in our lives, and by the same token, each one of us needs to be that person who comes near to offer encouragement to another. And when I say that, I think of, I think of our branch pastors, Pastor Steve and Pastor Short. I don't know how many times I've, I've called the church to talk to them. Well, they're not here. They're out on a visit. They're at the hospital making a visit. We have wonderful examples of encouragers in the leadership of this church. What an honor it is for me to be a part of it. First Thessalonians 4.18 says to encourage one another with these words. Well, what are these words? The absolute truth of God's word. Not the opinion of, uh, of Oprah, not the, uh, the, the authoritative opinion of a therapist, but the absolute truth of God's word. Encourage one another with God's word. The stories of God's faithfulness. Everyone God used in scripture was dysfunctional. Your problems ain't got nothing on David or Abraham or Moses or Paul or Peter. Everyone that God used had some messed up issues. And God was glorified in them and God was glorified through them as he sanctified them. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. There's a beautiful picture in scripture in Acts chapter two of what the body of Christ was meant for. Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The local church was the original support group. Established by God to offer comfort and encourage into all that was needed to one another. And in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, we have a strong warning to us to not neglect meeting together to worship and to hear God's word. Yet right off the top of my, my head, I know four or five families that have just dropped out of church. And I don't understand that. I completely do not understand as strong of an encouragement as that was to don't take your tithe on vacation. That was stronger encouragement. Don't skip out on church. Don't neglect coming together with one another to receive encouragement, but not only to receive encouragement, but to be an encouragement to, to, to someone else. Because what you have, somebody needs. 
God has gifted each one of us to do the work of the building up of the, of the believers. Don't neglect coming to church. Along with comforting one another, growing in Christ requires, number two, connection. Anyone remember the TV show Love Connection? Remember that? Chuck Woolery? Another wonderful thing about the 80s. Think about that show was sometimes there was, sometimes there was a connection and sometimes there was not. What is required for a connection? Somebody who wants to grow in their relationship with another person must work on connecting. It takes work. There must be active communication, active learning about what the other person desires and what makes them happy. Thank God for 35 years of marriage, whether it's continuous or not. <laughs> Tina and I have been married 30 years. Now this, uh, as, of, as of May, and I've learned, there's a lot of things that I've learned over, over 30 years. And I need to join my, my wife in certain, certain things, such as shopping, that, that makes her happy. She enjoys it when I come along to go shopping. And I loathe it so. <laughs> but you know what? The thing is, she enjoys it when I go with her. And you know what was neat is uh, yesterday we went, out, we went shopping and uh, I got a chance to go into the music store for a little bit. And, and usually she's very impatient about that. But she allowed me time to just stand there <laughs> and look through vinyl records. And, and it was, I looked at her, she was coming down the aisle. And I'm like, do I need to go? Do I need to go? And she's like just letting me look through those. And I appreciate that very much. And, uh, and just on that note, I want to say this coming Friday, July 4th, my parents will celebrate 55 years of, of wedded bliss. <clears throat> so to make that connection, we need to be willing to listen and to learn, to come alongside and say, well, what, my, what makes you happy? What makes you happy? And even though it's not something that I necessarily want to do, well, I just need to suck it up. Seriously. <laughs> that wasn't meant to be funny. <laughs> because it's true. I, I, want to, I want to do the things that make my wife happy. I want that love connection to continue for, for the rest of our lives. And that requires that I, that I listen and that I be willing to do those things. It's not, it's not easy, but... That's what's required. And verse two of our text says that we should be knitted together in love or united in love. My purpose is that they would be encouraged in heart and united in love. But to be united or knitted together in Christ, it requires that we not allow ourselves or others to get caught up in that which tears us apart. In Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. Spreading rumors, holding grudges will only hinder the Holy Spirit. It certainly will not comfort 
it certainly will not encourage or bring unity. Thirdly, growing in Christ produces confidence. The full riches, as Paul says, the full riches of assurance, of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Confidence. God's mystery. You know what the mystery of God is? That jumps out. The mystery of God. Well, in the early church, Jesus, God was for the, for the Jews. The Jews surely didn't think that the, that the Gentiles were meant to receive God's gift. But Paul came proclaiming that the mystery of God is that Jesus is for all men, for Jew and Greek alike. The great mystery of God is that Jesus is for every man. So confidence, that word is a, is a, a word that we need to be careful with how we use confidence. It can be misconstrued. I got my Jesus swag. I got my Jesus swag. Anybody heard that song on the vine? Not listening to the vine? There's a song, a song called Jesus Swag that we're playing. It's a local guy. And um, fortunately, that song is chock full with God's word, talking about, you hear him when I talk, you see him when I walk. Every, it's about everything that we do and say is about Jesus. Our confidence comes not in ourselves, when people hear us talk or they see us walk. It's Jesus that they see. Be careful how we use the word confidence. Our confidence is not in ourselves. In Philippians 3.3, 3, Paul says, we worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. The full assurance of understanding comes only from the Holy Spirit as we press into God. Press into God and seek his face with great desire and humility. And as we press into God, the reward of God, there is a reward. In Hebrews, it says, he is a rewarder of them who diligently or earnestly seek him. So there is a reward, and I pray that you have a heart to receive the reward of God, and that reward is revelation from God and the treasure of his wisdom and knowledge. Solomon could have asked for anything, but he asked God for wisdom. And according to 1 Kings 3, God poured out not only more wisdom than any man but more riches than any man as well. And I'll just be honest with you, there is, there is not much on this earth that I crave. This world is not my home, just like the song says. But what I do crave is, is to know God and the treasure that is his son, Jesus, the treasure of Jesus, the treasure of Jesus. The depth, the height, the length, the width that is his love, his grace, his mercy. His wisdom, his understanding. Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, 18 and 19, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Knowing God and knowing God's word gives us godly confidence. This is something we talked about in Sunday school over this last session as we as we talked about engaging the non-believer, as we talked about engaging those who would, who would reject Jesus or say that there is no God or doubt the fact that there is a God. You know, the more we know our Bible, the better that we can engage somebody like that. 
It's vital that you and I know God's word so that when we have opportunities to engage somebody with the gospel, we're prepared. And in verse five of our text, Paul rejoices in their steadfastness and in the strength of their faith in God. And quickly, lastly, we'll look at Christian conduct. Number four, and Paul sums it up this way in verse six, just as you received Christ, so walk in him. So how do we receive Christ? Norm, how do we receive Christ? Put you on the spot. By, by faith. We receive Christ by faith. <laughs> you were looking for the scripture on your phone. I know that. You're looking. Paul says, just as you received him, so walk in him. So if we receive Christ by faith, we walk in him by, by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. The obvious difference in a tree and a tumbleweed is what? What's the difference? A tree has a root and a tumbleweed does not have a root. The Bible says that do not be tossed about to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning and deceitful scheme. The tumbleweed has no root, causing it to blow anywhere the wind blows. Our conduct shows the quality of our root system. Let me say that again. Our conduct shows the quality of our root system. The degree of our spiritual growth is determined by the depth of our spiritual roots in Christ. Being built up in him refers to sanctification. Sanctification is the lifelong process of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Sanctification doesn't stop. You know, we don't have a a, a class and we graduate and say, I'm glad sanctification is over. Because sanctification, the process of you and me becoming more and more like Jesus, that process never stops because we, reach, we go through one set of challenges, we reach victory, guess what? Another set of challenges is on the horizon and Jesus endured the cross for the glory that was set before him. How much more will you and I also endure crosses for the glory that is before us? It is a lifelong process of being sanctified into the image of Jesus. If a builder knows what the plans of the design are laid out, the finished building will look like it's supposed to when it's finished. But if the builder deviates from the plans, well, it's not a pretty sight. And the process of becoming like Jesus is not easy. It requires us to pay close attention to the details that have been laid out for us in God's word so that we become like we were supposed to look like, that we look like Jesus. And once we are established in the faith and being established in the faith, it means we are hearing and obeying God's word for a lifetime. And once again, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. And as we are overflowing with thanksgiving, well, that's a a lifestyle I, I hope that that I'm an example of. I want a lifestyle of thanksgiving. That in all that comes my way, in all that happens in my life, that I can have a thankful heart. That in God's mercy and in his grace, he has given his most precious son to me. Who of us should not be grateful and should not be thankful? Are you getting established in God's word? Are you established in the faith? Are you rooted in Jesus? 
Or you feel like a tumbleweed getting tossed by the wind with no root system to stand. Josh Borgman and I are meeting with one another and going through a disciple process. We're in the process of memorizing Psalm chapter one. Psalm chapter one says that we should be like a tree planted by the water, our root system being fed. Is your root system being fed? Are you being in church? Are you with people who are encouraging? Are you with those who are proclaiming Christ? Is your root system strong? The gospel of Jesus Christ is this. We are dead. In our sins, we are dead. Paul says it very clear. We are dead. A dead man in a casket does not respond to any stimulus because he's dead. The only way that that dead man can come back to life is if God breathes life back into his body. We are dead in our sins. If you are here without Christ this morning, you are dead. You are dead. The Spirit of God is here this morning to awaken you. I pray today that as we prepare for a time of communion, as we, pray, as we prepare for an altar service, whatever your need is this morning, if you need Jesus, if you're here without Jesus, you need, you need Jesus. You need to re- be reborn. You need to be saved. You need to repent from a life of sinfulness and receive him as Lord because he is Lord and ask him to forgive you and to set your feet on solid ground that you may begin this life of sanctification and blessing and encouraging. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this this moment, for this time as we are in your presence, hearing your word, God, I pray that you would, you would move in the hearts of people, that you would bring those to salvation this morning, those that are in need of, of healing and restoration in their bodies. God, I pray that you would move in their, their hearts to come. As we prepare our hearts for communion this morning, I pray, God, that we would remember the sacrifice that was given so that we may live. Have your way, O God. And may Jesus be uplifted and be glorified above all men. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.